Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all type of shows. It's crazy right now. You look on it right now, you can get tickets to see Mean Girls on uh, Broadway in Chicago, which I'll be taking my wife to because the show's really good. I saw it in New York. It's great. Get Hamilton tickets. You can get concert tickets to Motley Crue, The Jingle Ball, Pentatonics. Uh, you can get Northwestern basketball tickets on it. Go Cats. You can get tickets to the Bears game this Sunday against the Chiefs if you're into uh, self-pain and all that kind of stuff. Kenny Chesney, not my style, but he's available. Uh, basically, anything you want to get a ticket to, you can get it on Game Time. Uh, and Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. You download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, the redeem code is the Athletic. One word. The Athletic, all one word, uh, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019, for those who don't know how years work. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets right now for concerts, tickets to games, and all kinds of good stuff uh, on the Game Time app. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers Christmas edition It is uh, Monica too, right? It's Hanukkah too, yeah that's true um, I suppose I should shout out to my own people. <laughs> I, I live in Indiana. You have so to cater to me on this podcast. I, I was at the Walmart in Indiana the other day, and they have a big sign out front that says X amount of days till Christmas, and on the back it says X amount of days till Hanukkah, and I'm like, all right, I'm in a Walmart in Indiana. This sign is literally just for me. Like, I am the only person that is reading this sign going, oh, that's good to know, thanks. <laughs> my, my daughter is in second grade, and I... I, I have no proof of this, but I'm pretty sure she's probably the only nominally Jewish kid in the entire school, this being Indiana, like I've not come across any others. She did like a little uh, PowerPoint presentation on her iPad oh, nice. and like did, and showed the class like the meaning of Hanukkah and stuff and she gave out dreidels to everybody. It was fun. It was cute. Um, we're, we're spreading the good word about uh, inclusion. So I, I have the two-year-old, so it's just starting to kick in like... She's definitely gonna pull the tree down. Like it's, it's, it's coming down. Like she's already trying to pull the ornaments off. Like she, she's not like. I mean, she's a little bit more understanding, but it's just like, oh, I want that, and then I, I see the tree. I have two down friends with uh, who just got new cats in the last month, and the cats are just destroying the tree. Yeah, our cat's been inside the tree, so I, <laughs> inside it, like up in the middle. Like, yeah, yeah. See, I have. A, I also have a four-year-old, and that's the hardest age to be a Jewish kid. Because and my wife is, is Christian for what it's worth, so they kind of they go to the grandparents and 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 do a Christmas every year too. But uh, we're nominally trying to raise them, you know, as some kind of Jewish identity. Yeah. But my four year old man, I remember going that with my older kid. It's hard because uh, everything you see is Christmas. Every TV show is Christmas. Every commercial is Christmas. Christmas, 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 Christmas. Christmas looks so awesome. It's so much fun. And you're four. 
what more do you want than Christmas? And I'm like, hey, look at the candles. And there's a little yeah, toffee. You get presents on many days. And that's, that's, you always have to, I, I read some story where it's like, um, you, I think it was on NBC. I didn't necessarily agree with it, but it's like, you, you got to stop pretending that Hanukkah is the same thing as Christmas. And it's not. Hanukkah is a minor holiday. It's like eighth on the, eighth or ninth on the death chart of, of, of Jewish holidays. But it's around Christmas, so you make a deal. You try to argue with the kids, hey, we get eight days of presents. And we don't tell them <laughs> that the seventh and eighth days, you get like a pair of socks and like a hat. But, uh, it's, it's tough when you're four to kind of wrap your brain around the fact that Santa's not coming to your house. Santa doesn't like you. <laughs> I remember when my older daughter was in kindergarten, and I didn't. T- we've never told them that Santa's not real. Uh, spoiler alert, sorry. Um, but <laughs> she was going around her I'm kindergarten class. Right now, <laughs> <laughs> she was going around her kindergarten class telling everybody that Santa was not real and that they were stupid oh. for believing. I'm like, no, don't be that kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> your daughter's not allowed to come back to school. <laughs> So, yeah. So, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and then whatever you celebrate. If you celebrate nothing, then Happy December. Uh, happy yeah. Winter Solstice. The days are starting to get longer. It's a, it's a wonderful happy time. Happy Monday. Here. Happy Monday. Happy podcast day. Um, man, so uh, it's, this is every other podcast. We're either writing off the Blackhawks or singing their praises. So, this is the singing their praises one as the roller coaster continues. Um, I thought Robin Leonard tweeted something interesting. It was basically... I think everyone recognizes that this is good as long as it's followed by something good. You know, like right. it's it's they they've been through this before. Last like they just won in Winnipeg and won in Colorado. Those are two very good wins, and played for the most part pretty. They good. They weren't that fluky. Even the Colorado coming back like that, they played well. That yeah, game. yeah. So so now it's do they beat New Jersey in the home? You know, like <laughs> like like you can certainly undo everything you've done if you. What did Leonard say? Enough is enough. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that. That should be the new team slogan. Enough is enough. Figure out who you are, and, and if this is who you are, keep doing it because it, you know those were two those were two impressive wins for a team that easily and I keep saying this could many times could have just rolled over and died by now. Yeah. Whatever you think about this team, and they have a lot of holes and they have a lot of deficiencies, and there are a lot of reasons to be skeptical of them, and I am of all those things. They've got a lot of character. They have several times pulled wins out of their ass, and you're like, wow, I did not see that coming. Well, I think a lot of it's those. The core still carries, you know, like the core still carries this team. Like if, if you look at what they've done as of late, it, it's still, uh, it's still Kane. I mean, Kane has, I think, I just, I was working on the goal project and we just went over six goals that like happened in the last week, you know. He's really good. Um, yeah, like Taves is, Taves is finally playing well and, and, and obviously Kubelik has a huge part of that, but you look at Keith coming back and that's huge. Like you can balance the defense pairings. And Man, then, when was the last time you saw Duncan Keith play a game like he played in Colorado? He stood up. Full speed Nathan McKinnon yeah. twice and took the puck off of him. Yeah. He was phenomenal in that game. It also tells you like how banged up he might have been, yeah. right? Like he, he had a lot of. He's thirty six year old with more mileage than about anybody in the league. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a, a bunch of maintenance off. days that led up to him finally saying, oh, "I can't do this anymore." You know, and this this always brings me to that same point I, I always bring up, and the players always like scowl at me when I mention it is load management. Like, why doesn't the NHL do what the NBA does and? Give their guys, you know, when it's back-to-back, why should Duncan Keith play both those games? On the one hand, yeah, you need him. But on the other hand, imagine how much better he would be overall if you weren't driving him into the ground 26 minutes Well, a night. right. At this point, I mean, Duncan Keith shouldn't be playing 25, 26 minutes a night, right? Like, that's a load management. It should be, like, when you turn, you know, 35-plus, like, you, you should be a second-pairing guy, and you take him off special teams, but... It, Blackhawks haven't had that luxury, you know. Yeah. Like so, if it's some of it's on them because I don't, I don't know what Charizard's time is or some of those guys. I can't imagine it's the same. No, like it's 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 McAvoy and some of those guys have stepped and in. And Char is not skating the way that Keith is skating, where it's as you know energy consuming. Yeah, think, yeah, but yeah, no, I mean even now we see this with Seabrook, right? Like Seabrook's been, 
any reason to get on the ice, you know, he's out there regardless. You know, he, I remember doing that story and when he got a thousand games and talking to his dad and, and he talked about how his dad had crushed his finger, like, uh, you know, oh, working. Yeah. And he just he saw his dad, you know, never complain about it. And, and that's how Seabrook is. And, you know, we you and I just watched a little bit of um, Elliot Friedman who talked about Seabrook and he was saying that he's heard that he's been dealing with nagging injuries and something that... For years. Um, for years. So, like, none of that surprises me considering his work ethic. And, and now... Yes, it, it's it's sort of coincident. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's a good Well, everyone's but, always going to raise a wary eyebrow when any team has a highly paid veteran who's struggling disappear. Especially after the Marion Hosa thing, which yeah. you went to Slovakia to prove was legitimate. You had photos, uh, evidence of how bad it was. But everyone always is like, oh, I see what it is. LTIR, and it's going to disappear, and we'll never hear from him again. I don't think it's that. I don't think it disappears, but I think this is something where Seabrook... It's probably said that if I can play, I can play. And now you're not allowing me to play. Maybe I should go Right. If I'm going to be scratched anyway, maybe this is the time to get this yeah. stuff fixed. And maybe I can come back and be a little bit more like my old self. And to be fair, I don't think Seabrook's been bad this year. He's been one of their better defensemen. I, I, I think he's been playing a more defensive role in, and sacrificing offense. And I, I thought when they got him away from Mata, because Mata Seabrook was... Yeah, that's a bad had, It wasn't Manning Seabrook, but it, it had some... You can't pair him with a, with a, a similarly no. slow-footed defenseman. It's no, just a bad idea. It's... Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, we'll see how that, you know. It, we also asked about uh, Shaw today, and he said Shaw still thinks concussion. Yeah, there's, there doesn't seem any light at the end of that tunnel. So that's, I mean, that's about a month almost. Kajul yeah. uh, is, last time he played was number 13th. Yeah. He's skating. Um, uh, those are two scary concussions. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's a non-scary concussion, but when, when, it, when it lingers this long like that. And I think the Blackhawks learned an important lesson with Corey Crawford a couple of years ago when they tried to bring him back in that trip to Arizona. Um, and it was just a disaster, and it made things, it exacerbated his condition. I think that they're, that, to their credit, they learned a lesson from that. And when you have a head coach who basically was forced out of hockey because of concussions, I think they they're taking these things very seriously, which is good to see. Yeah, it's it's bad that we're seeing concussions, but it's good to see the team, a team that let's face it has a history. Um, a lot of people have alleged over the years that they rushed people back from concussions from Taves to Dave Bolin over the years, that they take this stuff very seriously now, which you we'll have see, to. That Montador trial is coming up yeah. in 2020. So you had turned sure. 40 the other day. That I'm sure that birthday. they're – I know that the Montador family, there's some allegations against the Hawks too, so I'm curious yeah. to see what it comes out of that. And um, You talk about like the how this still comes back to the core and um, it was interesting. After that, that uh, the game in Colorado um, – the whole media horde was talking to Robin Leonard because when Robin Leonard speaks, everyone wants to hear it. And I saw Taves walk in, and I just kind of grabbed him, and, um, and I, I talked to him one-on-one -on -one for several minutes after the game. And I haven't seen him that loose and that upbeat in a long time. That really felt, you know, I don't know if anything comes of that win. It could be just another blip like the Boston game. But in that room, it really felt like a turning point, like a character-defining moment. And uh, I had this quote in my story after the game from Taze, and I, I thought it was interesting, where he says, uh, it's definitely been tough, but I think it had to get really bad for us to kind of come together as a team. Go down the list. Guys that haven't been here long, Robin Leonard, Carpenter, Smith, Murphy, they're all stepping up. They're saying the right things. They've got the right attitude. They're leaders on this team that are reminding guys like myself and Kaner and Sieves and Dunks about what we've got to do to win and not to get away with that. And I thought that was interesting where, you know, maybe that leadership council does kind of get complacent after all these years. And when you bring in some character guys, and Murphy is one of those guys, Smith is that guy, uh, Leonard's certainly that guy, Carpenter. You bring in guys who've been leaders elsewhere. Yeah, uh, they do kind of maybe it, 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 you know you, you can bring energy on the ice, but you can also bring a certain kind of energy in the room. And for better, whatever this team looks like on the ice, it's a really good room. Everyone likes each other. Everyone respects each other. There's lots of different voices. 
Uh, there's, there's a really old veteran guys. There's some young guys with some good attitude. And there's these kind of journeymen that have been through a lot that have brought a lot to the table too. So I think that's a big reason why this t- season hasn't tumbled into – you know, uh, in, into the depths of hell, kind of like last year it did the first couple of months of the season. Because there is kind of a, a, a fuck you attitude almost to this team. Like, we're not going to let it get to that point. And the team is also probably better. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no question that it's better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, having those two goalies, I mean, I, last year when we look at that, that was. I mean, last year they started out with, with Cam Ward and. Yeah. And Ward was. A, he just was Dealey the other one at the start of the season? At the start of the season? Yeah, well, yeah, because Crawford was. Uh, um, he didn't start until like the fifth or sixth game. Yeah. He didn't come back from the concussion. Um, well, it was it was interesting what you wrote today about for, about Crawford and the idea of his future. I mean, we've all been talking about it. We get thousands of questions about it, and um, everyone assumes that they're going to sign Leonard. Um, when Delia was playing really well and he had the million dollar contract already, it seemed that it was logical to, that he was going to fill in. And now. Um, and, and now that he's struggled a bit, and, and, and Kevin Lincoln has actually played pretty well down there. But um, So the question is whether – are we all right there? Yeah, I was just checking. <laughs> I, I never trust this microphone. You, you worried I, me. Like, I've been I, talking in this space. I know. I'm looking time. at the microphone, making sure it's still recording. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, the question is, and now, now that there's no, like, definitive plan underneath them, you know, like, like does Crawford come back? Do the Blackhawks financially can afford that can – does Crawford want to be back? Does the Hawks want Crawford back? Does Leonard resign? Does all this? And, and you went down that road with, with Crawford and, and asked him what, and, and uh, I'm not going to give up too much because the story is really good and I thought everyone was pretty open about it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think there's, I think Stan Bowman left open the possibility they resign him. But He said if they help us with the math. Like, so I asked him, flat, I said, how do you make that? I said, could they possibly, um, uh, uh, could you possibly bring both of them back? He goes, sure, certainly. I go, how do you make that math work? He goes, well, if they want to help us with the math. In other words, they're going to have to take a hometown discount. And I could see Crawford doing that just because he doesn't, you know, at this stage of his career, he's going to be 35 years old next week. Does he really want to start over somewhere else? Um, Leonard's not going to do that, no, and he no. shouldn't. No. Leonard has been screwed over the last two years contract-wise. Like He keeps saying, I want to be able to negotiate based on my statistics now. Yeah. You know, for the last two years, nobody wanted to give him a multi-year deal because of the mental health issues. Well, he's proven that he's a reliable player and a really good player, and he is owed money. And whoever gets him is going to have to pay him and pay him for multiple years, and he's seven years younger than Crawford. So if you're going to invest in one of them, it's going to be in Leonard. Maybe he does like a six... Six for six, something like that. I, you I get get a lot more than that on the open market. I know, but I'm just saying, like, if you give him a little long term, you know, you did sign him, and like the Blackhawks need some math that the work is beyond Crawford. They need uh, Strom. I mean, uh, Cooper yeah. League's going to be old. Yeah, he's going to get a good raise next year. Um, he's on pace for like 20, 25 goals. Yeah, so like even you got to bring it at a pretty good number, but Strom, Strom's going to be what five ish probably. Yeah, I, I would assume so. Um, Cooper League's probably. Probably owed at least a few million. Yeah. Um, Especially when you, you got to factor in when these are older players. You don't have a lot of money coming off the books. You have you have one goalie. Potentially. Yeah. And then you have uh, uh, Kajula. It's like 1.5. Um, you don't have any. Def- you have Gustafson coming off. That's not a lot There's either. Only, yeah. I mean, Carpenter signed through next year. Zach Smith is signed through next yeah. year. There's not uh, Ole Mata signed for that, two that was, more years. That was so, what was so interesting about this offseason is that they they had a term. Yeah, like they prepared for the future. It wasn't like let's just give this a go. And it, it was Shaw, it was Dehan, it was Mur, uh, uh, Mata. 
And yeah, on the line it was Don signed for the, two the only one that was a temporary one was was Leonard. Right, <laughs> and he's been the best of the bunch. Yeah, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting how they they balance everything because I think I mean I I think yeah, I I don't know I I have to look at some of the comparables. But, I mean, Kubalik feels like I mean, he, if he like scores twenty goals. Twenty goals, right? That's a that's at least a four million dollar player. He's right? driving. He's driving play. He's been a huge like the he's, numbers under underlying the Taves. Since, since he's joined that line, I mean, they, they've been really good. I wonder if anyone was talking about that for months leading up to the decision to put Kubalik on that top line. I don't remember. Was anybody ranting about that on a daily basis? Oh, yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I, the question, I, I assume that we didn't see the lines this morning, but I assume that Kane goes back with Kubalik and, and Taves, right, based on how they finished that game. certainly worked. The, Our friend Elizabeth G. in the comment section of The Athletic will be very pleased by that. She's been hammering us on that for a while. <laughs> she didn't like the the Brinkett, uh strong cane line. Yeah. No, not a fan. No. <laughs> it's hit or miss. Hey, um, yeah. But the, the question. Well, the thing I'm, with Kane and Taves together is sometimes it's been great and sometimes it's yeah. been a disaster. So it's it's not a sure thing. The, the last game, the only other goal that scored was a dot goal, right? Like it was, uh, it was Kane, Taves, Kubalik, and then the empty netter, or Kane, Taves, Connor Murphy, by the way. 180-foot expert, like, trick shot artist. Yeah. That's becoming quite a skill. It's not like an and one tape. But, <laughs> but I, I, like, they're going to load up on the top line probably, and that's mm-hmm. the line that's been good. They just, they, they need, they need balance still, you know? Like, they need Needlander to, like, Needlander had some nice plays with, with Kane, and, and now, like, you, you, you're taking Secure out of the lineup, um, who just, who, who, who it was his fault on one of the goals, and but he there's not a lot of leash there. Like he's yeah. I mean, I, I asked Col- uh, Colin about that point blank: is why does he not get the leash that all these other young guys? I mean, you're talking about how you know you're scratching Seabrook because you need to get Bill Gilbert and Boquist more time. You need to commit to these younger guys. Why isn't Dylan Secure getting that kind of leash? Where Alex Nylander can disappear for 20 games and stay in that top line. Yeah. Secure makes one mistake and he's off. Um, he just said he didn't like the line. Yeah, and it's just clear that Sakura is not high on the list right now. No, like, no. you know John Quenville is going to get a longer look than Dylan Sakura did, and once this roster freeze is over, Sakura is going back to Rockford. Seems right. pretty safe yeah. to bet. Yeah, if I'm him, I I'm probably looking to get traded. Yeah, I mean, this I mean, is... it's not happening here. Yeah, and and but you know part of that's on him. He had a long look last year. No, no, he yeah, well. like he didn't he, score. You, you need to out. produce. You need to if yeah. you're gonna. It's just it's. Uh... But, but so anyway, my, my point was that at some point, Nylander, like, you, I think that was one of Doc's best games, you know? That was great, yeah. But Smith and, you know, not the fact that When do we see Doc out, on the top line? Like, when are we going to finally see him get a Nylander chance? I know he works well with with. Well, they with had Carpenter him with, they had him with Kane with for a little bit. He's been with Debrinket for the most part. The, the, they, a little bit, they took out Strom and they put him... Yeah. It was the end of, was the end of a but game. But it's extensive games. It's not like a commitment to it. Yeah. Hey, Scott, hang on a second. I want to talk about DoorDash for just a minute here. Uh, I was sitting in my hotel room in Dallas. I don't know if you've ever been to downtown Dallas, but there's nothing in downtown Dallas. And I didn't rent a car, and I was too lazy to get an Uber. I had a whole season of Simpsons to get through on Disney+. Plus, So I wanted some food, so I, I called up. I went on to DoorDash, and I was looking around. I found all these great options. I wound up settling on some barbecue because I was in Texas. And when you're in Texas, you got to eat some barbecue. I found a local joint that was about a mile and a half away. Uh, within 25 minutes, I was sitting there eating brisket and pulled pork and uh, and uh, some sweet tea and some cornbread, and it was delicious. And I got $5 off because I used the Blackhawks uh, promo code that we have. So um, with door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Cheesecake Factory. You know, don't let don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. 
And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more. That's what I just did. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLACKHAWKS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code BLACKHAWKS. One more time, that promo code is BLACKHAWKS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Um, I forgot the name of the place I ordered it from already, but if you're in Dallas, it's barbecue. You'll be fine. Call up DoorDash. They'll get it for you. All right, now back to the show. But it's interesting, uh, you know, we talk about Taves and how he had, they, they haven't really loaded up the top line. It was interesting when I asked Duncan Keith about that after the game, and he, about Taves, he said, you know, you look at the, around the league, and you've got all these, all these teams loading up their top line. Taves hasn't been doing that. Yeah. He's been asked, basically, to bring some young guys along. And, you know, and he said, you know, so you look at his stats, and maybe they're not where you want them to be. But what he's doing is difficult. And what he's asked to do is different than what most top centers are asked to do. And I thought it was an interesting perspective on that. Yeah, it's, I mean, Sod's been pretty good this year, so it's not like it's... Well, yeah, but it took him a month before he got Sod on that line, too. Yeah, for sure. He was up there with, who was it, like, uh, um, I can't even remember. God, my brain's just melted at this point. Nylander was up there for a little bit. For a long time, yeah, but who, who started up there with him? Uh, I don't know, whatever. Well, <laughs> it wasn't was, Sod. <laughs> was it the Brinkett, or did they... Uh, was Kane, was, was Kane up there first? I don't know. Because it wasn't the Brinkett-Strom-Kane line to start the year. You're right, right. So I think he made a start with Kane, right? Very briefly, and then they quickly got away from that, which seems to always happen when they put Taves and Kane together. But it, 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 it's... And it's for a leak, he, and then he spent, for Stieg was up there. Taves has spent the most part of the season basically trying to joking. shepherd... <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> going to run through random players who have been like... Remember when Ryan Garbett was his top line left wing? There was yeah. that one year where he went through like Victor Tikhanov and Ryan... He, he went through like 17 left wings in one year. It was amazing. And they finally bring back Saad, and now he had no right wing. Yeah. So Mariosa retired. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is interesting how, like, you know, Taves has been tasked with... There's a lot of mentor roles happening on and off the ice this year. And it's an interesting dynamic to watch. you got these, like, 30-somethings and these kids. Yeah. And they're, they're being asked to work together on and off the ice. And it's been an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it'll be a really good story for these are the guys who carry on the torch, right? Yeah. Like, it'll be... Um, I thought Bolquist has been, been better. Obviously, playing with Keith helps. And... Um, yeah, I, I, I still thought, you know, I, I thought Bo- Boquist and Doc should have been World Juniors, but if Doc can play like that, then, yeah, you just no, need... I, I, I think it's the right move to keep. I mean, this isn't a team that can afford to just, you know, get rid of people for two weeks at a time. Right, well, it was just, see, he hadn't produced for, I mean, it was 14 games, so it was... Yeah. But, but that, that was the thing about Doc, is that he wasn't awful during those games. He wasn't scoring, yeah. but it wasn't like he was a liability out there. He's right. been a competent player. Yeah. Um, and... This is part of the ups and downs of being a rookie. If you're gonna, they're easing him in. They're putting him in those bottom six roles. But you know he's getting better. And after a game like he had uh, against Colorado, um, if anything's going to send him, you know, meteoric rise, it's going to be a game like that. He was spectacular. And now, it's, and now it's going to be about line mates still. Like yep. he needs, he needs the help of those guys to, to do that. Um, he likes playing with the with the Debrinket and Carpenter line. That's that's been working for him. Yeah, Carpenter's a guy that can help him with the faceoffs, but Doc still can play center for the most part. And uh, obviously, Debrinket is a great trigger man. Gets him out there with Gustafson a little bit more, a little more offensive minded when you got those guys behind you. And it's uh, so far so good. Yep. Uh, we get the uh, the Devils tonight, and then we get the break, and then. Boy, the Devils are bad, huh? Yeah. Uh, Devils, Detroit, and uh, I don't know who else is who else to be in that category. Blackhawks, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Like the last two wins, they've elevated themselves like out of that uh, that really the. Yeah, I mean, look at the Kings. Yeah. Although the Kings have basically the same records the Hawks yeah. do against. But, but, but I'm saying, there's like New Jersey and Ottawa, Detroit, right? Well, Ottawa's like been way better than expected. 
Uh, yeah, Detroit, Detroit and New Jersey are like a special kind of suck. Especially yeah. De- Detroit is like historically bad. Uh, the Devils, I mean, they were supposed to be, uh, you know, the up-and-coming team. They, they went out and got P.K. Subban. They won the lottery and took uh, uh, Jack Hughes. Uh, they, they went out and they got, uh, who was it, Nikita Gusev from uh, Vegas. Like, they were supposed to be a thing this year. And, yeah. Man, they, uh, they already fired their coach. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's not looking too good. So it could always be worse. <laughs> it could always be worse than what you have here. Um, they're bad and hopeless as opposed to just, you know, mediocre. <laughs> But these are wins you have to have. You can't you no, can't they, go and beat Winnipeg. No, you can't do that. And, and, and the Blackhawks always suck going into breaks. Their record under Quenville was awful. Was that right? Whenever they that. went into a bye week or uh, a Christmas break or the All Star break, they would lose like six to one. Like it was. I, I wrote a story about it a couple years ago. It's just like this staggeringly awful. It wasn't that they just lost. They got their asses kicked every time. And you can't do that now. You have to go into this break on a three-game win It's streak. a pretty favorable yeah. schedule. They close the break at home, and then they start it up at home, too. Yeah, yeah like the Islanders coming in. You know Leonard's going to want to be in that game. Yeah. Um, and then you go at to Columbus, who's not very good this year, but it's been playing better. The Hedger game. And at to Calgary, another team that started off really bad but is playing well now. And then you go out to Vancouver, who's a team you're probably going to be, if you're in the playoff race, yeah. that's a team you got to get ahead of. I mean, this is a stretch where they should be successful. You've got to rack up some points here. Like, you, you got what you needed. You pulled off two very impressive road wins there. You have to, you know, continue that momentum. If you just lose to New Jersey tonight, then it's all back to shit. Yeah. So anything on uh, my Stan Bowman Q&A oh, um, yeah, yeah. The other, last week? Um, I appreciated him sitting down with me. Um, There's a lot of questions to get through, obviously. Um, he's never going to... Like, the fans are never going to be happy with what no, he says. No, because like, he's, 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 he's a very chill guy. Like, I feel like even when they were winning, like, there was, like, he just... What he says is he said, like, you know, like... It, but the vibe I got... Um, I mean, you can kind of you get a sense of where they're like he, they're staying the course. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that story a few a little while ago about what the options were here. He, uh, you can't blow this up. Um, I don't expect them to make a whole shit ton of trades. Like they might add. You know, Calvin DeHaan's clearly lost for the season. They haven't made it officially yet. He's like yeah. he hasn't had surgery on the shoulder yet. But it, it's hard to imagine him coming back this right. season for yeah. shoulder surgery. So that's four and a half million that's going to open up. Who knows if the Seabrook thing, if this really does become a thing where he needs like some kind of procedure done or whatever it's going to be. If he goes on LTIR, that's another sick. All of a sudden you have $11 million to play with. Um, you, we could have gone out and gotten Taylor Hall. The price was pretty low for Taylor Hall. Um, and, and you start wondering what they can do here. If they're serious about making the playoffs this year, as you wrote, they have to add. Yeah. Now you can debate whether, and I think this is where people missed your point, where you were saying, I'm not saying they should do this, but if this is what the team's plan is, yeah. they can't just send, so they have to add. And you're right. If they if they genuinely think they can make the playoffs this year, and they do, they got the goaltending and they've got some skill up there, they think they can make the playoffs, then you have to add to do that. I guess the what I even struggled with, and I helped, got some help from with just some potential candidates and guys who would maybe you know, guys you'd want to look at or more rentals, but it's what do you trade away? You know, like it's... You don't want to, I don't think you want to deal the first round pick again. Like you don't want to go down that. No, it road. could be another high one. Yeah, they don't have a second round pick, so that's. But they have other ones, and then I mean, I guess there's guys like Secura and in, in, in Quinville, and um, the, there's there's not a like you've already traded Sorella, so like you traded Perlini, so yeah. the, a lot of the guys that you thought were probably borderline, you've already. And there's Gustafson, obviously. Yeah. Who uh, his it, his his price tag certainly makes him very attractive. But you need to get enough back with it. He's still enough in the power play, and Boquist isn't. I don't think exactly yeah. ready. Like you. you I, I, it's it's weird because remember the Blackhawks got a first. Because that, that'd be very much a hockey Hartman. trade, though. Like if you trade Gustafson, it's like you want to. Like if you if you're doing a hockey trade, but I guess you 
you're, if you're looking for a rental, or you're, then you're looking for, you know, they're probably looking for prospects and draft yeah. picks. Yeah, I mean, when, I think when we all assume that, that Gus Hudson would be traded at the deadline, it would be for a first-round pick. I think that's what you were looking for yeah. from a guy with, coming off a 60-point season. I mean, if you got a first-round pick for Ryan Hartman, you should be able to get a first-round pick for Eric Gustafson. But, you know, needs change and situations change, and a trade made in December or January is different than a trade made at the deadline. Well, and, and I mean, if the Blackhawks are in it, maybe they don't trade Gustafson, you know? Like, if yeah. they're competitive, then some guys some guys just are allowed to walk, you know? Yeah. Like, you, if, you're, if you're good enough, and yeah, I mean, you don't, you just, you don't. Oh boy, man. A million dollar power play defenseman? Power play quarterback ability defenseman? Yeah. So that's that's quite a trade trip that usually isn't available, right? But but if you're deadline. in it, you're just like you probably want that piece yourself. You know, <laughs> well, that's the question. Yeah, that's that's that was always going to be the issue this but year. So I, I think that's the question for March. I think Gustafson's here, but the question for now is if you have cap space, do you utilize it now? And because I, I think there's a window where they need the points, they need to be in the race because then it's going to get harder. You know, like yeah. so. I let's see. How, I guess they want to maybe see how you do during these during the stretch here, this last next week or so, and. If the Man, how many crucial stretches have we anointed? Over I know this it's just well. That's I guess that's how the season. <laughs> this is. next three games are going to determine the outcome of the season. Three games go by. These next two games are going to determine the outcome of the season. Two yeah. games go by. It's a, it's an interesting position. Like this this team is. I mean, some would argue they're out of it now, right? Like that's most are arguing that. Yeah. But then you go and you see what they did these last two games. You're like, well, why can't they just the the the, 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 the Western Conference is it's simultaneously encouraging and discouraging because I mean, look at it. as we sit here right now, they're. Seven points behind Calgary with a game in hand. Yeah. That's, with 40-something games to go, that's hardly insurmountable. Right. But there's like four teams in between them and then another two teams that are right behind them, or three teams that are right. Anaheim, LA, and San Jose are the last three teams in the conference, and they're two points behind the Blackhawks. So, I mean, everybody's looking at this going, well, if we just win three or four games in a row, right. you know, then we can get back in it. But the loser point makes it so hard, and so many games go to overtime that it's just so difficult to make up ground. And you see, I think other teams that are, feel like they're in it, they're going to be aggressive too. I mean, you look at what Arizona just did, right? Like, yeah. it's, there's no guarantee that Taylor Hall resigns with Arizona. It's awesome to but, see that they're doing the Columbus thing, where they're just like, "Fuck it, let's just do it." Yeah. So, and I, I feel like in most seasons, Stan Bowman would make a trade. You know, like he last, used to be that guy. He was always the guy willing to sacrifice the future for the present. I mean, last year they were quite aggressive. I mean, that Nick Schmaltz trade was was a big deal, yeah. right? Like, and now if you have space, and yeah, I. I don't know who's available in late December, early January, though. That's the thing is most teams, you know, want to make a move. But everyone, the, the, how many sellers are out there? New Jersey is a seller. They just sold their big piece. I think Ottawa. Is Ottawa, probably. And L.A., maybe. I mean, you know, stay the hell away from Ilya Kovalchuk. I mean, these aren't yeah, answers. Yeah. There's not, you know, the, what was that ridiculous trade that, the, that, that was floating around that we are going to have? It's like Taves and Kane and Keith for Drew Doughty and 17 first-round draft. Oh, my God. Like that shit's not going to happen, right? You know, there's not a, there's not a earth shattering move to me. Taylor Hall is the only earth shattering piece out there, and he's taken now. So I don't know what you do to drastically alter. It's going to be guys like you mentioned in your piece, kind of those second tier guys who can make a difference. You know, boost your depth, give you a little scoring, or help you on the back end. They're not going to be Eric Carlson's not walking through yeah, that door. Yeah, yeah but I I, th- I think this is the sort of team if you just if you improved your bottom it, it would just improve the rest of the team so much where right. I think your top is still pretty good and you can compete but it, it's the bottom you know I mean we've seen that second and third pairings at times just struggle and if you brought in another experienced veteran to even fill in Dahan because Dahan was such a I mean, he was becoming a, a huge piece I yeah, think he was getting, such a huge loss getting so comfortable and I then mean, it seems like because Keith came back right afterwards that we're kind of writing that off but that is such a huge loss yeah. for this team 
No, like, yeah, like if Keith had came back and he still had DeHaan, who had kind of, I felt like, you know, I mean, he came off that shoulder shoulder injury last year, and he, I think he was finally feeling comfortable. If you're top four, you know, Keith, DeHaan, Gustafson, and Murphy, that's a legitimate top four. Yeah, and then it's, yeah, and then it's just propping up the bottom. I mean, Gilbert's been fine, but been it's... been fine, yeah. yeah the team loves him because he's... They haven't had a guy like him since Machinter and uh, Bowling. Yeah. A guy who will actually go out there. I, you, know, you and I are both kind of ambivalent at best on fighting, but there's no denying the team fucking loves the guy. Yeah, yeah. He's willing to kill anyone, I guess. <laughs> and then when you, when you go out and you take Gabe, Gabe Landeskog off the ice for five minutes, that's a good trade. That's a good. That, that's what enforcers used to do: is go after the star, goad them into something stupid, and then you go, "Hey, I'll sit for five minutes, but so do you." You know, that's that's. There's value in that. So I think there's value in getting a, a def, veteran defenseman, and uh, yeah, and and if you do, I mean, if you end up with more money, a veteran. Winger too, or something. Like I'll it. tell you, the John Quinville is going to be interesting because he's been phenomenal. He's been playing more well Rockford, red hot. He's playing yeah. with a lot of confidence. You know, he's been in the NHL before. If he can come in and just be like a third line, this scorer, is his former team too, right? Oh, he's going to be motivated today for sure. Uh, he's he's he's, he's a, he seems Hayden like Hayden been playing at all. What's that? Has Hayden been playing at all? Not much. Oh. Not much at all. He's still in the it's same. It's also uh, the Jesper Adam Boquist game. I know. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> but uh, you know, if Quenville can can be a scorer, just be a guy who can chip in goals here and there, that's what they need. They don't have a lot of depth here. All right, anyone who's come up, no, no one that's come up is really solidified. No, Highmore, Vadine. I mean, Highmore. Like, Colleton clearly likes Highmore's Highmore game. Highmore had to, yeah. It would help if you put away the breakaway last oh, game. Man, that, that was that. I mean, I, I, any stretch pass that that it's tape tape like that's always great. But man, what a pass by yeah. Keith to, to break him on. Yeah, that. like you need to. You know, Vadine hasn't come up and produced Secura and Highmore and. So if Quenville can be that guy, if he can come in and actually. Be like a legitimate third. Remember, third lines are, you know, 10, 20 years ago, third lines were shutdown lines. Now they're scoring lines. And the Blackhawks' third line hasn't been one. So that's why Debrinket's down there now with Doc, and they're trying to get something going. I don't know where they're going to use Quenville, but uh, if he can give just give any boost of scoring that Smith and Carpenter aren't really giving, then that makes a huge difference in the whole look of the lineup. Yeah. They need depth scoring, and they need better third-pairing defensemen. They're good at the top on all of them. They're better than you think. I agree. They just don't have any depth at all. Let alone when they have all these injuries. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, I, I guess I'm sure after the break we'll have a different podcast where we're. Well, it'll be all if they, after they lose to New Jersey and then the Islanders will be all uh, despondent again, writing them off and talking about folding everybody. This has been <laughs> a very strange season. I mean, for so many years we. I can't this believe we're not even halfway point. It, just, it feels like we've jammed 80 games into 40 games. <laughs> for so many years we had like the regular season was meaningless because they were so good. Now it's like. I don't know what to make of this. Then last year for a while, it was like the regular season was meaningless because they were so bad. And then it was like, oh, look at this, a playoff run. And then, oh, well. And this year, it's just like, I don't, it's, it's, it, your head's just spinning like a dreidel, man. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I brought it all back around. There you go. Look at you. <laughs> um, yeah, happy Hanukkah. And yeah, Merry Christmas uh, to everybody out there. Hope you have a nice, uh, relaxing week. You know, your family doesn't drive you too nuts. We won't have a podcast on Thursday. We'll be back uh, next Next Monday. Monday. And uh, probably be... Another 180-degree mood swing. Welcome to the Black Ops. <laughs> uh, until next time, he's Scott Powers. I'm Mark Lazarus. Later. Just a little bit. Won't you let me try?